other systems like libraries are working well. They create a place, hey Randy, uh, where, where people have access to information that they may not have had access to otherwise. And as you hear, my next guest, Randy Holhut, is here. And he's going to get his headphones on, and I will get him started. So we had, uh, this is Live Radio, Randy, and we had some um, technical difficulties. And, and so I'm, I'm riffing, and I don't know how many people are still listening. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's just like watching a train wreck. Um, can you hear okay? Do you no. need me to turn that up more? I can't hear anything. How's that? Is that can't better? can't hear anything. Try that one. Try the other. See, now we don't have headphones. I tested that one earlier, though. Okay, more. More? All right. Now can you hear? Now I can. Okay, and now we're going to test your... What did you have for lunch, Randy? I had... Trail mix. And, and Snick, oh wait, no, I ate the Snickers. <laughs> yes, now you're not hangry anymore. I'm not hangry anymore. <laughs> so I was just um, telling everyone, folks, uh, after my pre-recorded interview with Condos decided to crash and burn, um, <laughs> I, my, my little conspiracy theory of the attacks on some of our institutions that we were talking about earlier today, libraries, Education, whether it's elementary, high school, or, or higher ed, um, media, you know, news organizations, and elections. And my concern about, as much as we want to blame Trump for these things, it seems like our society is picking away at these, these really important institutions. Am I, am I just sitting in my own little world, or is this something you're seeing as well? It's being picked away. It's been picked away for, for decades decades mm-hmm. uh, it's been going on and it's something that's uh, uh given you know there's there's certain folks in our in our society that really don't want to see people who are educated and well well informed and we'll do whatever it takes to make sure that doesn't happen and why why is that well an educate the old Sims department store ad from back way back when for all our New Yorkers in the audience, an educated consumer is our best customer was their slogan. Yeah, mm-hmm. and for when it comes to democracy, an educated voter is is the, is the best participant in democracy and and is uh, downright deadly to fools and demagogues. Did you ever have a time in your life where you chose not to vote? No. I voted in every election since I was eligible. My first election was 1980, so Jimmy Carter. When I was at Fort Benning, Georgia, doing basic training, I made sure I got an absentee v- uh, ballot sent down to me, and, and I voted in, in the gubernatorial election in Massachusetts in 1982. I voted no matter where I was, everywhere. And why was that? Why did you make that commitment? Because I see voting as a sacred part of the of the democratic compact of a democracy, that that was the the least I can do as a functioning member of society is to participate in, in gov- my government and play my role in government, which is uh, my voice, my vote. So, when you talk, so I have some folks in my circle who don't vote, um, and I'm really hoping, like I said, people will message us on Facebook about why they haven't voted if they don't. Um, 
And what was always said to me when I asked the question, why not, is something along the lines of, well, I don't know who the who's running. So then learn. Wouldn't be an informed vote. Or it doesn't matter. Then make it matter. Okay. Now, see, I think that's easier than said No, than done. it's not. It's not. I mean, it's easy... F- it's easy to say, well, I don't know about the candidates. Well, then get off your butt and educate yourself. It's not hard. My vote doesn't matter. It, it damn well does. Especially, you've, we've, see, we've seen a lot of elections where it turns on one, one, one vote can change everything. WBEW, this is Olga. Yes. I'm so glad I didn't turn that one over to air. Um, because our Google listing might not be accurate. <laughs> oh, Mr. Robocalls. Mr. Google. Um, Such a scamp. <laughs> well, f- but let's, let's talk about folks who maybe feel disenfranchised from either the election or the voting process. Um, because for many reasons, either they were actively, you know, folks actively tried to make sure they didn't vote or to make sure that their votes didn't count. I mean, that that is part of American history. Yeah. And then I think of, you know, the scenes from South Africa after apartheid ended and people who waited in line for hours, days to cast their first vote for a president. And then, you know, that's when I see scenes like that. When I see people who've got... You think back to the Civil Rights Movement. I mean, talk to John Lewis about whether your action means is means something. He got his skull caved in for his efforts in marching across the bridge at Selma back in 1965. Ask him whether his one action meant anything. Your one person begins one <laughs> that what, what's the the, the, old, the old saying that the one snowflake that doesn't do anything but a bunch of snowflakes creates the avalanche. Oh, that's a good one. Or that's a good you one. know, one pebble starts to landslide, mm-hmm. and that's what it is. Your one vote, yeah, your your one individual vote may not mean may not turn the course of empires but the part of democracy is you get together with your friends hey i think this issue is really important i think you ought to we ought to go down to the polls and vote about vote for this person who's who's uh advocates uh things were really they're really important to us or i'm going to run for office (laughs) Mm mm-hmm Think of the wonderful thing from the off-year elections, the, the picture that uh, was fa- made famous, uh, the woman giving the, giving the finger to the Trump motorcade as it w- went <laughs> yes. past the, the, uh, one of his Virginia golf clubs, you know, and, and the woman who lived in the town who was sick of the, these, all these black cars going back and forth hauling the president to his, to his golf club. That she was found to out that she was the person who gave the president the finger, which is protected speech, mind you, mm-hmm. and was fired from her job. What did she do? 
she ran for the county commissioner post where she lived and she won mm-hmm. uh, i'm trying to think of the, of the woman's name who uh, her son was killed in in a police shooting incident in the in the south what did she do she ran for office she won mm-hmm. you uh, uh, there's so many candidates in, in, from vermont to to california who were inspired to to take to run for office and also to to participate in democracy and it makes a difference the democracy like anything belongs to the people who show up you don't show up someone else is going to and and i guess that is one thing because i'll bring this around to the media panel that you attended at at lunch that the strolling of the heifers put on today is you know we're all tired Yes. And we're all working multiple jobs, and we are all trying to make ends meet. Um, and and so it can seem like a lot to ask to, you know, go to one more community meeting or check the town budget to see what their funding for the library is this year or, you know, register to vote, whatever it happens to be. And yet, you know, sometimes I feel, because you, you said this great quote um, you paraphrased a quote earlier about people will stop reading books when they feel there's nothing worth reading. And it just made me think of apathy and how what a powerful tool that is for for chipping away at things. And that's it's easier to make people not read books because they or not vote because they think it doesn't matter than it is to tell a lot. Uh, I, Noam Chomsky always said that the beauty of the of the American system is it makes everyone feel feel marginalized and and uh, powerless. Hmm. So if you know if you if you're convinced that you're powerless and you don't matter, you're gonna just sit in your sit and watch cat videos <laughs> <laughs> and feel that you nothing you can do makes a difference. So the the hell with it. Mm-hmm. But the I as we've seen in many 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 cases. Uh, Participating leads to something happening. We just celebrate, and, it, and really, I'm kind of disappointed of how it kind of passed without mention. I mean, 30 years ago last weekend, the Berlin Wall fell down. That, you know, being of the vintage I'm at it, at it I was we the, the wall and I were born about the same time, and it was just a given that that wall would be there as a symbol of, of tyranny and and. Uh, and uh, the death of democracy. But it took people power, and a little at a time, a little at a time, a little more at a time, a little more, a little more, and then that a miraculous autumn of, of 1989, when governments in Eastern Europe started falling under, falling under the weight of all the lies that they told to keep themselves in power. You know, it was Poland that went that went down first, and then, uh, then the, the wall, then the Velvet Revolution in Yugoslavia, and the somewhat messier one in Romania. But within two years of the collapse of the Berlin Wall, so did the Soviet Union collapse. Mm-hmm. And that started not with bombs and tanks and guns. It started with individuals standing up to power. 
and joining together with other individuals and growing and growing and growing. And that the power, that people power is, it scares the hell out of those, out of the powerful when people get together and, and do something. You think uh, 10 million people marched to, to try and stop the, um, the invasion of Iraq back in, tw- in, in 2003. And, of course, they were ignored. But So th- was that a waste? No. Nope. Because there were seeds in, those, in that, those actions that, that were paid off in other times. Just like the people who say, well, Occupy, that was a waste of time. No, it wasn't. No, it changed a lot of conversations it, it changed and a lot of policy. And a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And you, you would not have gotten uh, a, the conversation changed greatly in terms of how we talk about economics and, 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 and politics. And you would not have gotten uh, the term one, the 1% into the conversation without without that mm-hmm. and the baptism of fire that they went through was carried on to other other movements just like the people who were out and fighting the pipeline out in, the, in, in North Dakota and their baptism of fire uh, including some people here from, from, from Wyndham County like Lee Sparrow was there mm-hmm. and they to bear witness and also to participate so Let's circle back to the media panel that you attended today, and I sat in the audience, uh, and there was, what, <laughs> eight people on the panel? Yes, there was uh, Kevin O'Connor from Vermont Digger, there was uh, Marty Cohn representing the BCTV Board of Directors, there was Howard Weiss-Tisman from Vermont Public Radio, there was me representing the Commons, uh, Tim Johnson, uh, town clerk, but now kind of... Uh, uh, shadow news department at, at, at WTSA. There was uh, Peter Case, the man they call Fish, representing uh, the Great Eastern Radio Group. Uh, Melanie Winters with the Reformer. And a VEW person. Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, for, for a little, for a town of 12,000, that's a pretty diverse group of, of individuals sitting there in terms of, of uh, not of the statewide two of the biggest statewide news sources in Digger and VPR, the Daily Newspaper, the Weekly Newspaper, one of the two local radio stations, the Public Access Channel, the low-power public tele- radio station, and uh, evil corporate media with, <laughs> with fish. So I'm, I'm curious... Um, and, and I'll just I'll just note that Bob Bob Brody was the board member and also a DJ here at WVEW 107.7 FM who represented WVEW on the panel. Um, and so my I had a couple takeaways from from the panel and one of them was I, I think it was Kate O'Connor who as the moderator asked has how you do business changed and how do you report the news? Has that changed in the era of t- Trump? And I thought Kevin O'Connor from VT Digger had a really good point. And he says, you know, in many ways, things have not changed, but perception, the community's perception of us has changed. 
that now they call us a news organization, even though we never felt we had to differentiate ourselves as a news organization. But now that that, that carries different weight. Um, so going back to Olga's little conspiracy theory world, um, <laughs> what what has that if it's Trump, he says it's fake news. If it's Bernie Sanders, he calls it gossip. Um, gossip. Gossip. It's just gossip. Um, what impact on this kind of trying to devalue what we do? has? Have you felt that impact? And what are you seeing on the, the media landscape when it comes to to that thing as as journalism journalists as the enemy i think we're lucky here that they don't see us as the enemy that uh, the role we have is as commu- in the community uh is we're considered uh part of the solution rather than part of the problem people r- respect what we do and even if they don't agree with what say with stories with a with this uh, with a story on the front page or something in the voices section uh they still respect what we do and and admire the fact that we're doing it against against the odds. Mm-hmm. I it's it's I I take it personally when I when I hear the folks who 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 rip this profession who who threaten the lives of journalists who kill journalists here and, and anywhere else in the world where we're where the work we do and that we're fortunate enough to do without our lives being in danger constitute constitute the death warrant mm-hmm. uh, this I, I don't shed any tears for say the museum in Washington closing down but I do hope someone takes care of the, the, the honor roll there's a wall in that museum when you go in that lists all the people who who have been killed in action over the last 150 years work, as working journalists in print and broadcast media in conflicts large and small and in, in towns dusty and remote and in big cities fighting dictators that are corrupt, corruption at home. And they didn't die to make a hedge fund wealthy. They didn't die to help their publisher get a better seat at the bar <laughs> or to even sell more newspapers or to sell no, more newspapers they died to bring us the story to bring us the truth and that's a powerful responsibility that if you if I, I, you know I kind of roll my eyes when I hear the journalism ethicists talk about you know uh, about various things involved with that and chances are that many of them don't know what it's like to be doing this under duress. Well, one thing I found interesting, uh, one of my takeaways, and I don't think anyone said this on the panel as clearly or directly as I will say it, is one of the things that's happening to many newsrooms across the country, but in Vermont specifically, is... To really do news well, you need a lot of people. It's a human resource intensive 
game <laughs> and profession. And but to have a lot of people, you need resources, aka money and time, which many of us are are sadly lacking. <laughs> well, it's it's no secret that the the PR industry has. I think right now is we're up to about three, maybe even four, PR people for every person on a, on a payroll on a, a news organization. And isn't it? I don't remember what the statistic was exactly. Isn't it like sixty cents a journalist earns to every dollar a PR person? Dollar a PR person. Yeah, that might sixty cents might actually be too high. Um. More like almost double in a lot of cases <laughs> of salary. I mean, there's because. You know, this is a great honor to be 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 doing this, but after a while, you get sick of working so hard for so little money, mm-hmm. and so the siren song of being being a PR person and uh, getting more money for for of shorter work week and weekends off and vacations and mm-hmm. and and a good pension and good health care as becomes irresistible, and uh, they know it, and so. It's it it's it it's hard to continue to to to, to it's hard to to justify your, to yourself personally sometimes you know why why do you keep doing it you're not getting paid well you're not being respected at, at out there you know depending on, I you know I don't you're not talking about this community this community but I'm talking about other places where journalists are held in open contempt and are, and you know you you have the idiots who. Want to want to to silence them in in, in ways that are are let's say inappropriate. So, so we know one of the the major issues with journalism right now is so many newsrooms are undersourced. Now, one audience member, Spunagave, raised his hand at the end of the panel, and he says, "Well, you know, you all need to talk to each other because you're talking about problems, but you're not giving us solutions." Uh, I'm going to ask you this, Randy, and then I have a follow-up to Spoon that I probably should have said, but because I was in the audience, I, I didn't say. But let's start with, with you. What do you think some of these solutions are to shore, needed to shore up uh, journalism? The main thing is, is, is audience support, because uh, if you... The original sin with the internet was was newspaper publishers thinking that the internet was something nice to add on, and and ending up giving their 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 product away and conditioning people to being able to get the newspaper without paying any money for it. Mm-hmm. And yes, I I raised my hand and plead guilty because for years I read the Globe for free <laughs> online. Uh-huh. But once they start started charging for it, I started paying for it. Mm-hmm. And because because the the uh, the Boston Globe is important to me, I've been reading it all, all, for since high school. Because you know, I, the sports section got me, and then the rest of the paper did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, but but that's not a recognition that good journalism costs money. Uh, in the case of the Globe, they have the largest newsroom in New England, and they I still see them. You know, even though they have much. They have fewer news resources than they had back in the in the days when I fell in love with the paper, and wanted nothing more than to be working there. That uh, they're still the standard, which we 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 try to live up to. 
mm-hmm. in terms of reporting, in terms of photography, in terms of design and layout. And uh, it's worth supporting. You know, the why people for locally for us for the commons uh you know we joke about making people or asking people to pay for the free newspaper through donations or memberships yes or or advertising or advertising okay yeah and we have lots of people who do that (laughs) uh we could have more and we always were welcome to always welcome people who want to join in and uh, be part of our our merry band but it that's the kind of thing it's needed i uh Vermont Digger didn't get to be the force that it is without all the support of of people who thought, hey, they're doing something that I'm not seeing anymore in the free press, the Burlington Free Press or the Rutland Herald or or, or Channel Three. Uh, you know, the state where's where did all the state house coverage go? Mm-hmm. Hey, they're doing it. I better support that. Well, I think that was my my response. In a, to my internal response to Spoon's uh, question and comment is, I agree with him. We as media outlets need to get better. I think we've gotten really good at talking about the problem. We need to get better about telling the community what is the solution, what we need. Because I, I sort of had a, a yes and response to, to Spoon's comment. And the and part was... It, it can't all be on the media to, to solve this problem because while the media did, and when I say media, I'm talking broadly television, radio, uh, print newspapers, online news outlets, just news media in general. Um, I think there were definitely things they did that got themselves into this quandary all on their own and especially the under-resourced quandary. But I don't think the community can sit back and say, well, well, you know, you guys did it all on your own and you have to solve it all on your own. And we had no part in that because there are things that I, I find with media, news media and even entertainment media, in this country we have a slight, um, well, disempowerment. <laughs> that that it, And I find it so fascinating because we're at a time in history where it is so easy for anybody to make a short film, write a blog post, write something on social media. I mean, the access people have to the tools to create media is amazing compared to even when I was working as a camera loader clapper um, <laughs> in, in the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. The, the access is incredible. And yet... So often there's this disempowerment I think communities have with, well, there's nothing we can do. It's just, it's them and us. Um, and, and I would say it's a much more nuanced relationship than that. Yeah, that's not them or us. But, but certainly uh, the barriers to entry are much lower than they used to be. I mean, you know, you wanted you, the A.J. Liebling's famous observation that anyone with uh, talent ability and 10 million dollars could start their own newspaper (laughs) (laughs) so but now you can you know starting a blog is uh, you know find a web web host uh, get some get a program start posting content Mm -hmm. you know that you can uh, an iphone can pretty much do what a satellite truck used to do 20 years ago when to to live stream an event Mm -hmm. Uh, the speed of which we can do do things which 
doesn't help the news cycles so much because sometimes you know, the news moves too, way too fast. Yeah, too, too moving a little faster than fact-checking sometimes is, is a bit of a problem. So, yeah, you can, there's, the opportunities to make your own media are, have never been, never been greater. The technology has never been more widely distributed. But there's still the matter of the five or so corporations that control most of television, radio, newspapers, uh, internet, uh, and uh, trying to break through. And you know, you can you VW is a is a plucky little band band, <laughs> but it's. It's you know, an awesome little plucky little band. It's an awesome little plucky little band, but it's still a little tiny corner of the of the internet, and uh, the reach of of this radio station is not the same reach of say uh, a station in New York City, say that's got you know a fifty thousand watt uh, signal and uh, can cover ten mil- ten million people. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to quickly change gears because we really have about five minutes left. Um, in, in the broadcast that took so many more turns than, than I expected in my, my nice little neat outline today, what is it? Two-part question for you, Randy. Okay. One, what do the, the local news outlets in this community need to better serve its community? And what do they need from the community to better serve the community? So what's the two-way relationship here? The two-way relationship, and unfortunately, um, it's, it's kind of well-developed, is that you know, people reaching out to us with information to let us know that something's happening because we're not, we're not psychic. This mm-hmm. is, and uh, you know, telling us in a timely fashion when something's happening and helping us to, to, uh, to cover whatever it is they need cover. So you know communication. It's we're the phone, the tel- the the email, even a plain old snail mail letter. Uh, please reach out to us and give us inf- and let us know what's happening, and we'll do our best to to uh, write about it or publicize it. And also, you know, if you like what we're doing, help us keep doing this. I keep saying in the uh, ads on the other radio station I do for the for the for the for the comments, uh, and that. Uh, what you give to the commons as a as a member or just any you know and no donations too small it helps keep the paper free for the people who can't afford it and um so support for for our media you know for the commons is cuz as simple as keep us in the loop when things are happening help give us a little money or or volunteer time to help us uh do the job better and for other, for the rest of the media in Wyndham County and Vermont. If you like it, support it. Let and also make sure to hold them accountable when we mess up. And and I would also add to that when it comes to communication. I often find that as a society we are very media savvy. We may not always be as media literate as we need to be, especially in the day of you know social media and. Um, companies and organizations trying to divide us with misinformation you you know don't ever hesitate community members if you see something in your local news organization 
the commons, the reformer, whatever, and you don't understand why the headline was such and such or why the reporter chose to do X, Y, and Z, we're always happy to answer those questions. Um, because quite often there is a protocol or something behind some of the things we do. Well, you may not like the answer we give you, but we'll give you an answer. Right, yeah, and you may not like, exactly, you may not like the answer, but the, 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 hard, the hard side of my journalist self says, well, we're not really here to make people comfortable. <laughs> well, also, the, you know, it's, 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 for, it's not Burger King and you don't get to have it your way. <laughs> So, so, did we just like squish all over our kumbaya here? No, well, that's <laughs> we'll, we're flexible, but we're also we have some. We also are principled, so that's it's a it's a dichotomy, the dichotomy of journalism, the flexibility to to accommodate the community, but also the principles that we don't we won't bend on because that's why they're principles. Exactly. Well, and they've evolved over over a couple centuries. Yes. Yeah, the, uh, many of those principles and protocols that we follow um, have have come from from times before us. Even. Well, for all the screaming of the gun fondlers, there's a reason why the press is the only occupation that's l- listed in the Constitution, and why we're the First Amendment. <laughs> the First Amendment. So that is all we have time for here today on the Montpelier Happy Hour, where we talk about how things in Montpelier shake out for Wyndham County. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for sticking with me through my technical difficulties today. A huge thank you to my guest, Jim Condos, whose interview will be online later today, and my guest, Randy Holhut, whose interview will also be online later today. As always, I'll be looking for your comments on the Vermontitude SoundCloud page or the Vermontitude Facebook page, and everyone, have a wonderful week.